As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Greetings and welcome back to One True Pod, brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. We are the Athletics Big 12 podcast. Well, you know, the, the, the super size, the new Big 12 uh, on the Andy Staples Show and Friends podcast feed. Thanks as always for listening. My name is Max Olson and I am joined as always by Jason Kersey and Sam Kahn Jr. Fellas, nice to see you this morning and, uh, Welcome to the new Big 12. Here, here we go. Everything's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Look, looking forward to talking to Justin. Uh, Justin Williams about Cincinnati. Looking forward to, uh, to picking those games moving forward. I think we're going to add those to our picks uh, repertoire. So Yeah. I, yeah. I, how are we doing, by the way, on picks? Is it going well? Um, from, oh, it's going great as far as I, in my, <laughs> okay. from my perspective. It's, it's going great. Um, do do we want do do you want me to brag about picking Arkansas now or should we wait till later for that? Um, oh what, yeah, what I, you know I was I was in uh, Ames um, covering the Seahawks game. What happened in the Texas game? I didn't get to watch much of it. Who won that? <laughs> Sam, <laughs> I, I based on the fact that Kersey was blowing up my phone during the game. Sure was. Uh, I every few minutes I'm getting text messages while I'm trying to concentrate on the game. Jason, oh that's with, not with some true. hog calls in my text messages. No, I'm kidding. That's, he, he, he wasn't that. that not- <laughs> he wasn't that bad. Uh, but it, but yeah, he was. Uh, I tell you what, man, I was stunned. I wasn't stunned that Arkansas won because I think we all acknowledge that, that that was possible, even though I know, Max, you and I picked Texas to win that game. But I was stunned at how dominant they were, particularly on the line of scrimmage. I yeah. mean, it was the, – the, Arkansas's defensive line, I mean, they were, they were giving Texas problems with a three-man front and yeah. putting pressure on Hudson Card. And then the offense obviously sputtered. And the defensive line just got wore out. I mean, three hundred. They, they wore them out in that yards. second half, man. Yeah, I mean, they were leaning on. I, I, I had wrote, wrote it in my piece after the game, but you could see in the fourth quarter, Vernon Broughton and Byron Murphy, young defensive lineman, like turning to the sideline with hands on hips in the fourth quarter because even though they're not starters, they were tired. Those guys were leaning on them, and they, those those Arkansas linemen are big, and 
you know, Sarkeesian kind of, he kind of telegraphed it. He said two days before the game that if you don't come ready to play a physical brand of ball, you're going to get your ass knocked off. And guess what? That's exactly what happened in Fayetteville. That is. I'm, I'm reverting back to what I've been saying about Texas all along. I, I got tricked for one week, but I'm going back to saying it like, you know, you have to. I think you have to go back to what you've seen from year one of their previous coaches and say, you know, they're they're they could be a six and six type of team if they don't get this stuff right. You know, and they've got to they've got to really figure out some answers there. And I think Sark found out on Saturday. He found out why Texas needed a new coach and why why Texas has, uh, you know, not gotten where they're supposed to be here over this decade. Is is there's there's weeks like those when they you know just week to week inconsistency. Um, and and you know, you know, being a little bit too soft in a big game like that, I think it's it's uh it's a clear problem there that they gotta gotta get to work on. I think he's gonna find out which players he can really trust this week. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. And of course, they made the, the quarterback. Not, change not to say Hudson the coaching Park. was perfect either. I'm not saying it's all in no. the players. You know, no, it wasn't. But 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 I I think I saw that game as less of a coaching issue, more of a talent issue, and particularly on a scrimmage. And I, I but when we talk about coaching issues. I thought they would have gone to Casey Thompson sooner than they did. You know, Sark mentioned after the game that, yeah, he considered going to him earlier, but he just went with his gut. Uh, Casey moved the ball, scored two touchdowns, or led two touchdown drives and scored two touchdowns. I think uh, making the move to Casey Thompson this week is probably a smart move because if the quarterback battle was as close as Sarkeesian said it was in the spring and it was truly a neck-and-neck battle, then – after Hudson looked a little bit like a deer in the headlights, I think it's fair to give Casey a shot, especially when you consider how well he's played in the last three times he's played. In the Alamo Bowl, four touchdowns. Uh, against Louisiana, he led them to two scoring drives and three three possessions. And then against Arkansas, two touchdowns. He's he's led them to 55 points in, in 10 possessions that he's been in charge of the offense. So, uh, you know, it's Rice, it's going to be a little bit less of a taxing affair for them, but – I think the the move to Thompson is probably a smart one at this point. I'll be curious to see how they do, but uh, they're not going to see a line. I don't think quite like Arkansas is very often in the Big Twelve, but there's definitely some issues, and that tells you why Sarkeesian is recruiting the way he is, uh, stacking up on guys in the trenches in this 2022 recruiting class because they're going to need them going to the SEC. Look, I I didn't think there was a talent issue in Cyhawk. I th- I thought that Iowa and Iowa State matched up pretty well. You just saw once again, Iowa's Iowa. You know, and it just comes down to you can't turn it over four times against Iowa and and ever hope to win. So that was uh, it was it was, you know, it was a great experience being there. It was great being in a, at an actual game here for the first time for me since 2019. And um, just the tailgating scene and all that was spectacular. Um, but man, what a what, what a bummer once again for Iowa State that, that that's just as much as they've achieved. That's just the one that that has eluded their grasp here. And uh you know, I'm sure Brock Purdy and that team will will bounce back. But man, what did you guys think of that one? Well, I, you know, Max, I thought your uh, column you wrote off the game was was really well done and 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 correct. And that this, I don't think it's a reflection. It's not that Iowa State was a was fraudulent or that they're not good. I mean, that's not what this was. I didn't get to watch a ton of it because I was covering the OU Western Carolina game, which was thrilling. Yeah. Um, but from, from what I let's saw, let's bring I mean, that one down quarter by like, quarter. If we could, you know, coming up here, yeah. let's, let's not, <laughs> okay. let's not do that. Um, but I mean, when you have, uh, you know, Brees Hall fumbling, uh, you know, where, where he did, line. I mean, yeah, that was his just, own goal line. I mean, that, that's just, uh, 
that's just shocking. I mean, this is not what you expect to see. So uh, I, I still think Iowa State could, could win the Big 12. I still think Iowa State could make a run. I don't think this kills their season. I just feel kind of bad for them because it's like, you know, last year when that game got canceled, it was like that was their shot to beat Iowa, they thought. And it was like all exciting. Now they get a chance. To, and anyway, I I, uh, I I just don't think it's I, – I, I agree with you, though. I don't think it means that Iowa State is doomed or anything this year. I think they just got to see can we can we play that game like Thanksgiving next year or something like that. I, I just think they're not they're not ready to play at Iowa's level here in week two usually in these games and and they've been competitive. I'm not and and this one was too up until the fourth quarter. But um, yeah, there's just something about that. There's something about these September's for Iowa State where they still they, this is kind of a problem every year and they're still kind of figuring out how to how to calibrate that and. I, I don't know what that is because, I mean, they changed the strength coach in 2020 to, to as, as, you know, that was one of the things they, they the big moves they made to sort of uh, try and be a better program, you know, for 12 weeks. But um, I, I'm sure for them, it, it's, I'm fascinated to see if, how different they look. This is an easy bounce back week for them, you know, at UNLV playing in the middle of the night there. Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't know that I agree with you. I don't know that it changes the big 12 race much. Um, and that's what I would say folks need to remind themselves, I suppose. But, um, well, how, how about a Cyhawk playoff rematch <laughs> that, you know, that we may at the end of the year say like, those are two of the best defenses in the country. Like we'll, we'll see. I mean, yeah. they've, they've, they've looked I'm, really I'm good. I'm not so even far. joking. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, that would be pretty, pretty intriguing. Yeah. I was in great, you know, with, with Ohio state losing, I was suddenly feeling like they're in great shape now in the big 10. So um, yeah, that's what, what, what do we make of the rest of the big 12 though? Like overall, do we think this is like, how much would you say what we've seen through two weeks, not to overreact too much lines up with what we expected going into the season? Or is this a, is this a more competitive big 12 or maybe a less competitive big 12 than we expected? I think it's less competitive at the top. I think right now, I think, I think so too. even though I think even, even though, Oklahoma had that scare against Tulane. I still think they're head and shoulders above everybody else. Uh, I, Iowa State's performance, it, like you said, it, I don't think it washes their season, but it it makes it clear to me there's at least a little separation there at the top between them and Oklahoma. And then uh, I think TCU so far, uh, I, I'm I think I think they're still promising. And then everybody else to me is a question mark. Uh, you know, Baylor I think has been encouraging, but the level of competition they played isn't. Yeah, you know, really representative of, uh, uh, to tell tell us that much. Texas Tech had a really good start, but then they went down. You know, they they, they had to fight to beat Stephen F. Austin at the end there, which I think is a little a little troubling if you're if you're a Tech fan. Uh, Texas, of course, got smacked in the mouth. Uh, you know, can't Kansas State. Uh, you know, I, I love the way they started, but you've got the Skylar Thompson injury now, yeah, which is tough. So there, there's just it, it's it, I think after you get past Oklahoma. I think the rest is going to be super competitive, but I think right now, Sooners are head and shoulders above everybody else. By the way, I think we can say yeah. that the people on this podcast, generally speaking, fans of Skylar Thompson, really, really a bummer that the, he is going through this oh, all man. over again. Horrible. I, I hated to hear that news. Um, that, that's just, the guy is so tough and such a good player and has led them to so many great wins yeah. and um, came back for another year. I, I just... I hate it. it. It honestly made me sick when I heard about it. Yeah. It's, it's, this is a dude who, like you said, I mean, uh, you know, had, had a tough decision to make even coming back and play this year after the, the injury he dealt with the shoulder injury last year. And now, now you got the knee, hopefully, you know, they, 
Chris Kleiman said at the start of the week here that uh, you know they're they're hopeful that it's not season ending. So we'll see what the recovery looks like on that. They haven't been very specific about what the injury is, uh, but man, really hoping he can get back. And uh, yeah, you're right. That is one of those teams that um, you know you wondered would they push themselves into the mix here. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be as we as we get you know into conference play. You know, conference play does technically kind of start this week, but. Um, you know, I do feel like this is, would you say this is just kind of a little bit like a kind of a par for the course here in terms of this could be kind of an unpredictable season, at least from, from two to, you know, two to nine, two to 10 on the standings here. I, I think that, yeah, it's going to be just a typical big 12 season. (laughs) I mean, I, cause I still don't know what to make of Oklahoma state. Me neither. I I have no idea what to make of Oklahoma state. I have no idea what's going to happen this weekend in Boise. Um, I, you know, couple of close calls for them. Um, I, I still don't quite know what to make of Kansas state. I still don't quite know make what to make of Texas tech. They have a really good win against Houston. And then Stephen F. Austin gives them a little bit of trouble. So I, 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 I don't know what to make of this league. I'm, I'm with Sam. I think the top looks pretty easy right now. And the rest, I have no idea how that's going to shake out for sure. Well, why don't we, before we get into the uh, picks in the big 12 this week, why don't we, uh, have a little chat with one of our new Big 12 correspondents for The Athletic, uh, Justin Williams, our, our quality uh, reporter on, on the Cincinnati Bearcats. Um, you know, it's it's been fun to follow his coverage of Cincinnati's move here uh, and what this means to them. So let's bring him onto the pod uh, to talk about uh, Big 12 expansion. We're now joined by uh, Justin Williams, our tremendous uh, Cincinnati Bearcats reporter on The Athletic. Justin, we weren't sure if we were allowed to have you on this podcast in 2024 or 2023. I think that's still being worked out with Mike Oresco, but we're going to try and sneak you in here just for a little bit of time here. Welcome to the Big 12, buddy. Thank you. My uh, my exit fee is posted, so I'm, I can start oh, good. right away. It's cleared? Yeah. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> Dude, so, so why don't we start with just how was last Friday? Just how was that moment for... Um, Cincinnati and for that community um, to to officially get uh, the invite to to P5 status here. It's funny, you know, it was such a uh, everyone knew it was coming in large part thanks to UMAX, um, but it was kind of the worst oh, kept secret <laughs> for a couple of weeks. It uh, was, yeah, in college football. And then when it actually got to, fr- but because Cincinnati fans were so um scarred from 2016 and like when they all assumed they were getting into the big 12 and it seemed like it was you know a done deal there was like that little piece of them that needed the official big 12 tweet to to make sure that it was done and they could let their guard down a little bit so it was still a really exciting day uh, for Cincinnati fans really that whole week every step of the way all that stuff that's a formality Cincinnati applying officially to the big 12 the big 12 having you know a a board meeting set up or cincinnati having board meetings set up every little step of the way cincinnati fans were just like really excited even though these were little 10 minute formality things that were happening so uh and then getting to friday and and having the school you know do all their official videos and announcements and all that stuff it was uh a long time coming as quick as it all happened this round of realignment for for cincinnati fans it was a long time coming because they had thought and hope they were getting into you know uh, the big 12 or or any power conference for a while now so it was um it was certainly a a big day of celebration you saw the football team had the the big 12 flag already on on saturday at the the game which i think they might have got a little scolding for um but uh it was it was something that you know everyone was kind of anticipating and and looking forward to 
Yeah, I don't think OU's busted out any SEC paraphernalia quite yet. That that might be a problem. <laughs> if they yeah, did. I think I give them credit. They were I think they were kind of just like and the joke always was they had Big Twelve T shirts and the joke was like, did you guys have these in a in a box from 2016 just waiting to right. hand out? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think they kind of just threw caution to the wind uh, once once it was all official. We're like we're we've been waiting long enough. We're gonna go all in. So uh, yeah. definitely definitely an exciting day last week. Justin, you know, you, you sort of touched on it there, but, but I was going to ask you, this does feel like a culmination of a long time of, of taking all the right steps and, and doing all the right things for many years, hoping for this moment. I mean, can you kind of take us through just what all Cincinnati has done to get to this point? Because I, I know that there's been a lot of work that's gone into this through the years. Yeah, and you know, it started when the Big East dissolved in, in 2013, which honestly, not, not that they're to blame for it, but in retrospect, Cincinnati definitely like kind of clung to a sinking ship there as all these other teams were kind of offloading. They were like, Oh no, you know, we're, we're going to stick with the big East and that didn't necessarily work out for them. But since then, you know, they've, they've re renovated their football stadium. They've renovated their basketball arena, both to like the tune of $85 million, almost $180 million in, in renovations between those two. And they look great. Um, You know, the biggest thing, which wasn't, I guess you don't necessarily plan for it as like, this is what's going to get us there. But hiring Luke Fickle in December, 2016 was just a, you know, probably might be the thing that actually got them this call up. And then the fact that they were able to retain him to this point and they extended him through 2026, that, that might be the biggest thing that it's not lucky, but you hit on the, you hit the right hire. Uh, and, and then just other than that, you know, other than extending him. You're you're right. I mean, I I guess if you're like a 500 program over these last five years, I'm not saying that Cincinnati wouldn't get to the big 12, but like you, you are part of this is peaking at the right time, isn't it? Yeah. And you know, as much as these presidents are looking at presidents and athletic directors and commissioners are looking at the alumni base, which helps Cincinnati and and being in a Ohio and, and a big city that helps, but say Mike Norvell stays at Memphis, doesn't take the Florida state job and, either fickle leaves or, you know, just Cincinnati isn't as good under him and Memphis has gone to two or three straight New Year's six bowls. I I bet this is a different conversation. So uh, the fact that you can't call it lucky because they hired him, but just the fact that they hit on that hire, I think it was a a huge deal and probably a lot bigger than maybe anyone would want to admit in terms of factoring into the immediacy of this. And, And just in general, they've, they've invested and tried to spend like a power five program as much as they could based on their budget constraints as, as a G5 program. They've subsidized like $30 million a year, almost of their athletic department budget from the university. And all of that was geared towards, we believe we can get into a power conference, you know, sometime soon. And, and that's kind of the goal. And Cincinnati fans also like, they understand this is not the big 12 of 2016. They understand it's not going to be $40 million a year, but you know, as much as these other Big 12 teams are probably trying to prepare for like taking a pretty big haircut, this is going to be a huge bump up for Cincinnati, yeah. no matter what kind of the TV revenue looks like. So even if it's not the, you know, as big of a jump up as it would have been a few years ago, it's it's still a huge leap for for the program. Because their distribution for this last year, even with going to New Year's six, what was it? Six, seven, eight million dollars. Yeah, like the the top of the. AAC deal that just got completed last year was going to be like 7 million a year from, from TV money. And and then, you know, when you factor in whatever the TV money is going to be for the next big 12 deal, plus the additional March madness credits and the additional CFP and bowl game payouts, like it's, it's going to be a significant jump. They're going to be making easily double what they were making uh, in the Americans. So it's, it's still going to be a, a pretty significant leap for them. 
Yeah, in, t- in talking with people around the Big Twelve, um, you know, there there certainly was a consideration of, you know, West Virginia has been a great partner in this conference, and they wanted to give them, you know, that certainly they've they've added a couple new members here that are slightly more Eastern. Um, and I think there was also an appreciation with Cincinnati that yeah, basketball is a mess right now, um, and they've they've hired a good coach. You you were all over that whole deal, Justin. But I think there was a consideration that you know the in time that that basketball program is also going to you know be beneficial for a conference that you know they are I assume going to start branding as you know we think we're the best basketball conference in the country. Yeah, I mean they've already we've already kind of seen a little bit of that talk. You're right about West Virginia. I mean even. Luke Fickle talked about that Cincinnati doesn't really have a true rivalry in the American like the UCF game has become exciting the past couple of years because UCF has been good and Cincinnati's gotten good, right. but there's not that history that they have with, with West Virginia. So that was an immediate thing for, for fans and even for the program to kind of attach to. And the basketball thing is true too. I know basketball doesn't really factor into the broad realignment discussion and, and money, but in a lot of ways, as good as, as Luke Fickle's been and as good as the football team's been the past couple of years, Cincinnati's fan base, you know, there's still a huge basketball school fan base there because of the history with with Bob Huggins and, and even Mick Cronin. And, you know, it's it's maybe changed a little bit for some of the younger fan base, but for the older generation of Bearcats fans, they're very basketball heavy. So uh, as much as last year was a struggle for them, kind of what the Big 12 could be hoops-wise going to play Baylor, going to play Texas Tech, going to play Kansas. That, that's that's a big part of it for, for Cincinnati specifically. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina, and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a side of live music, and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie, and Wrightsville, and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Justin, uh, you mentioned Luke Fickle, and he's been a pretty popular candidate as, you know, big jobs open up, USC's open. His name has obviously been connected to that. I mean, do you think that this move makes it more likely that Cincinnati's able to hold on to him? So I think, you know, he's already turned down so many power conference jobs already. I mean, you could you could probably build a, if you want to throw USC in the mix, which I I don't, you know, obviously they haven't necessarily offered him, but I don't think he's interested in that job all that much, Uh but you could build up like a pretty solid football conference out of the power conference jobs that Luke Fickle's turned down. Um, So I don't know, you know, he's already signed the extension. He's already swatted away places like Michigan state. Um, I think what the move to the big 12 does is the thing Fickle always talks about is how can we keep the program moving forward? And what he means is like, how can we keep investing? How can we put more resources? They have a, a bubble that they put up in winter, but they don't have a, football specific indoor practice facility they're redoing the locker room um you know 
so there are things that they can do to kind of enhance this this program, whether it's staffing or just facilities and resources, and this will help them do it. And so he's, you know, he's not lying when he talks about that, that pushing the program forward means how can we keep investing and, and keep moving us, you know, in a positive direction. And I think it's less about which jobs come after him and more just they can keep putting more resources into the football program now with, with whatever revenue bump they're going to get. And so I think that just helps them. There's still, even if it's not USC, there's still those jobs that I think everyone knows. Ohio State, Notre Dame, um, if they came calling eventually that it would be really, really hard for him to turn down. Uh, but I think it just that another step they can take to investing in the program is only going to help make it easier to, to keep him happy and keep him here. So speaking of Notre Dame, uh, obviously this is we're, we're about to re- really have a moment here for Cincinnati football. Um, you know, I think it is a, a legit top 10 team. But um, over these next three weeks here, Justin, Road game in Indiana, road game at, at Notre Dame. And, and I think that, uh, you know, certainly I think we all would love to see a group of five, you know, actually be in the mix there for for a, a CFP spot. So what what is this, you know, first of all, how good do you think this team is? And, and what do these next two games mean uh, in terms of Cincinnati's chance to uh, to really make a statement here? I think they're good. I mean, I do. I think they're a legit top 10 team. I think I would not be shocked if they go to Indiana and beat them and go to Notre Dame and and beat the Irish. I don't think that means it's necessarily going to happen or it's going to be easy. And if you just look long-term, like going undefeated, no matter what your schedule is, is hard. So I I think that's asking a lot, but they, I think they're legit. And you saw that even though they lost that game against Georgia in the peach bowl last year, you know, they shouldn't have, they kind of blew it at the end and you saw they were, you know, they were right in line with, with Georgia, who's arguably the most talented team in the country. So they, they can compete on that level. Uh, I think it'll be really interesting how they look. Even, you know, Saturday, maybe Indiana isn't quite um, as good as people thought they were coming into the season, or maybe I was just really freaking good too. We'll, we'll find out. But even if they don't go in and, and necessarily push them around, they're going on the road in, in a big marquee game, and it'll be interesting to kind of see how they look there and how they handle some of the extra attention they've gotten. Even this week, there's national media in town, and, and everyone knows that the season was already building to this, so these first two games were kind of just like, all right, let's get these out of the way and get to the, the real part of the schedule. And I think they also understand if they lose either of these two games, it's going to be a little bit of a letdown, you know, for them and for, and for the program. So how they kind of mentally uh, handle both of these situations uh, will be interesting. But uh, yeah, I think going into Saturday, uh, they understand the what's at stake for them. And, and I think it'll be interesting to see if they can, kind of establish themselves on a national stage the way I think people locally are thinking about them here. Well, Justin, that game is going to be awesome to watch this weekend. Now, when, you know, you think we'll be seeing you in a big 12 press box in 23 people feeling pretty good about that at this point. Yeah. So the, uh, I, I don't, I don't think I'm contractually obligated to say no later than July 1st, 2024, but that's, <laughs> that's the word yeah. that is going to come out of Cincinnati. I'll be very, very surprised if it's not 2023, just the way that, you know, obviously BYU's already announced they're joining in 2023 and kind of the way um, Cincinnati and some of the other programs were talking about it. Uh, I'll be surprised, but it's it's going to come down to, you know, how much Mike Oresko and, and the American Conference are, are willing to let them go for. But uh, I'm I'm pretty confident they're going to do everything they can to, to be there by 2023. 
Is Evan Prater going to be the best QB in the Big 12 when they come in? <laughs> They're looking pretty good now, right, for the future? I mean, they've, you know, they've kind of recruited at a Big 12 level, you know, yeah. especially if you, you know, take out like Texas and Oklahoma. They're, they're right there with a lot of those programs the past three or four years. So uh, I, I don't think they're going to come in with like a huge talent deficiency, but uh, it'll be interesting, you know, with, with Evan Prater, I think they're set up and, and also just some of the way these uh, quarterbacks are, are transferring. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they even look to the, the transfer market to, see if they bring in someone to compete with them. But yeah, I mean, this local kid who's a four-star um, highest rated recruit in, in program history and kind of the two, four, seven sports era, he's going to, he's going to have quite a, a challenge in front of him heading into the big 12. But I, I think it's something that he and the program and fans are excited about. Unless Desmond wants to come to... back for his Desmond Ritter wants to come back for his COVID six, year. Seven, but years. Yeah, I, I don't, right. I don't get the sense he's looking to do that. <laughs> Well, Justin, thanks so much for joining us, man. I'm sure we'll be having you on plenty more. And uh, you know, welcome, well, welcome to the big leagues, man. You know, this is <laughs> this has got to be so exciting for you. <laughs> I'm ex- I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, to upgrade to s- some P5 podcasts. So I appreciate it, guys. All right, thanks so much to Justin for coming on. We'll definitely have him on again uh, to talk about. Uh, look, one of the best teams in the Big Twelve, kind of. I mean, you know, not in the Big Twelve, but. Uh, Big 12, uh, I don't know. They're part of the family now, right? They beat most teams in the Big 12, I oh think. Oh, my gosh. We, I mean, that's a conversation for another day, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, definitely. They, <laughs> they would roll through this Big 12 in, 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 you know, without a whole lot of trouble, you would think, this year. But you know what? Let's start the picks. Jason, tell us where we're at on the, on the standings here. Clearly, you're crushing us. How are we doing? I'm happy to. Happy to. Um, yeah, so we're picking against the spread. I am 8-3. and three. Sam is six and five. Max, you got some catching up to do at three and eight. Three the and problem eight. last week. Oh my god. Yeah. The the problem is last week we all picked the same except for the Texas Arkansas game, which we've already talked about. Um, so there wasn't really much of a chance for you to catch up. So let's see if we can uh, be a little bit different. We got a lot of games to pick this. So week. we are throwing in the new members of the Big Twelve on our picks now. Uh you know, we we know even less about them than we do about uh, you know the actual members of the Big Twelve. So again, I can't advise anyone to you know like if 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 this is, is payday week, like I can't advise you to spend any of your check on on our thoughts here. But hey, we're gonna try. I'm gonna try and get right. Definitely don't listen to me, but maybe we should be riding uh, you know Kersey's coattails here going forward. <laughs> I don't know. It's all going to come crashing down at some point. Well, why don't we start with my alma mater? Um, you know, the Nebraska Cornhuskers tried to cancel this game. People were not cool with that for obvious reasons. No. Uh, this is historically a very important game. Present day, not a very important game because Nebraska is not very good. They are coming down to Norman to play the number three Sooners, and uh, they are 22 and a half point underdogs jason have loved i want to give you a chance to hear to plug uh, what you and mitch sherman have been doing this week because uh certainly this is a game that even if uh you know even if these two teams are not very competitive with each other today um certainly the history of this rivalry has, has been awesome to to watch over the years and, and you guys have done a great job covering it yeah this this game it's such a bummer because this game is way more interesting because of the history than because of what's going to happen on Saturday I think um, Oklahoma and Nebraska for anyone you know 
who doesn't know, uh, Oklahoma and Nebraska had one of the greatest rivalries in college football through the 70s and 80s. Basically, the Big 8 Conference was on the line every year. Trip to the Orange Bowl, often the national title, was on the line. And yeah, Mitch Sherman and I have been, have we picked six games, uh, historic games, went through them. Um, this is Thursday, so Mitch's story on the 1971 game of the century, which this game is commemorating the 50-year anniversary right. of. Um, is up today. I've got one more coming tomorrow. It's been really fun. Uh, but you know, a- as one of the uh, people I talked to, Tony Rayburn, who was a safety for OU in the mid '80s, said this game's way more interesting for nostalgia than than for anything else. And and he's right. I mean, that's that's it's the truth, and it's a bummer. So I will pick OU to cover the twenty-two and a half. Yeah, I will too. One 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 sort of like bad giveaway about Nebraska is they they played that week zero game against Illinois lost their starting quarterback, still, you know, still lined up against Nebraska and looked about as talented as Nebraska was. And after the game, your old friend, uh, Brett Bielema, uh, Jason, he, he came out and said, the only guy we were worried about was number two, the quarterback. So, um, that's, that's how the bad teams in the big 10 look at Nebraska. Um, and now we're, they're taking on the best in the big 12. I think Adrian Martinez is going to have to do a lot. This is a bad week too, where like their, their receivers and tight ends are banged up. And they're going to be playing from behind, so that's not that's not good timing for that either. But um, I, I think that it's it's all on Adrian Martinez's shoulders to make plays in this game, and I just don't think they match up very well here with Oklahoma. So I, I like I also take Oklahoma covering the twenty two and a half, and I think that uh, I, I don't know, do, Jason. Do people do people in Oklahoma like do Lincoln Riley's players? Do you think anybody actually cares that Nebraska tried to cancel, or is that a little extra? Is that a little extra in the fourth quarter when you're deciding to run the ball or maybe keep throwing it? I think it may be a little extra, but it has not come up this week at all. Um, So I I haven't heard anything about that this week. Now, uh, we do talk to Lincoln Riley one more time this afternoon. Maybe it'll come up today. I don't know, but uh, it has not yet. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I think OU, I think OU covers um, pretty pretty comfortably here. Not Nebraska's not terrible. They have a chance to p- potentially put up a fight, but um, I, I think this is going to be a nice statement game on that uh, you know that big noon noon kickoff slot there for for the Sooners. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, after watching that season open, you kind of alluded to it. The Illinois game. After watching that, there's no way I watch that team and look at them, and then I look at Oklahoma and look at their talent and think that Nebraska's going to stay on the field with them. I got Oklahoma covering by a mile. I just don't. I just don't trust the Cornhuskers at this point. Well, that's fair. That's fair. How about the uh, How about the Bearcats? We alluded to this with with Justin, but uh, they are going to Indiana. They're a four point favorite against a Big Ten team. Uh, certainly, we saw Indiana really struggle in Week One there against Iowa. Um, what do you guys make of this one? Um, yeah, I think go, uh, I like go. Cincinnati. Uh, I think uh, this is a team that I think has has shown itself over the last year plus that, you know, they, Justin mentioned it a little bit in the interview that they let that Georgia game get away, but they 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 come to play. And I think uh, I, I like I like their chances here. You know, of course, it's hard to go against Desmond Ritter. So I think uh, since he wins and covers, uh, I like I like them to to take this one. Likewise, since give, give me Cincinnati in the four. I, I can't wait to see. I mean, they, they could beat Notre Dame. I, I don't think that's out. You know, I don't I don't think that's impossible at this point when they go line up against them. Like, I, I you know, certainly Notre Dame got a heck of a scare from Toledo and, and from Florida State, too. So I think I'm that game sets up to be one of the most interesting, I think, and in, in all a non-conference play this year. 
Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think it's going to be fascinating. And watching these games where Cincinnati plays other Power Fives is going to be a fascinating exercise because uh, th- these are games that they're going to have to play consistently in a couple of years, but uh, they're they're really good measuring sticks. And I think as someone who has followed a lot of Group of Five in the last few years, the, these to me are really, really important games for these programs. So yeah. uh, so I think, uh, I think they come into it with a certain level of intensity because you know they've got something to prove. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, Sam. I, and I, I'll take Cincinnati to cover the four as well. I, I think that uh, I think they're rolling, man. I think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch this year. This next one's pretty interesting um, in terms of the line. Slightly surprising, I thought. Um, West Virginia uh, is at home, and they are a three-point favorite uh, against number 15 Virginia Tech. Um, what do you guys make of that one? Yeah, that surprised me too when I was looking at the lines earlier. I, I, I really didn't expect that. And and so I'm I'm going Virginia Tech. I, I think after that that win over North Carolina, I'm pretty high on the Hokies right now. So I'll I'll go I'll go VT. I I agree. Like I I you would have thought like just sort of big picture, you look at Virginia Tech and, and maybe would have wondered, is this like a hot seat kind of year for Justin Fuente? But I mean, after they held UNC to ten points in their opener um, I, I mean that's a that's a hell of a statement to start off your season. They look like they're probably an eight or nine win kind of team, and uh, we we know they can play. So, man, that's a lot on Jarrett Diggy right now at a time when I, I, there's still that faction of the fan base that probably wants to see Garrett Green, even if he if he's not totally ready to be the guy yet. Um, so I, I, I'm curious to see how much Green plays in this game, and, and certainly can um you know can can West Virginia. They're the favorite, but I feel like they're not going to play like it. I think they can. They keep this one a, a pretty close battle for four quarters. I'll, I'll take Virginia Tech plus three, um, but I do think this this one's going to be close. I'm going to take the Mountaineers. I, I think the wise guys know something we don't because, like you, like you guys, I was surprised to see this. But you know, maybe the get right game against Long Island helped. Maybe maybe they've rectified some of their issues. So I trust Neil Brown. I trust him to have his team ready. Uh, and they're at home. I think they're going to be seeing country roads after this one. So give me okay. the Mountaineers. Okay. I like it. I like it. Um, next game here, we've got another another pretty interesting one. Uh, K-State obviously going through a tough week this week. You know you know what Will Howard can do at quarterback. He obviously had to play most of last season. Um, so he takes over there, and they've got to kind of move past this this heartbreak of losing Skyler. And, and they've got to step up this week because – uh, they have not got Nevada uh, coming to town, and Nevada is a two-point favorite. Jason, what do you think? You know, I, I, it pains me to do this because I really like Kansas State, but I think I'm going to take Nevada um, in, in this one. I, I think what Jay Norvell's done there in his couple of years has been really impressive. Not having Skylar Thompson, I it just it feels like one of those games that that Nevada will win. So I will I'll go with them. Sam. Yeah, I am going the other way. I'm taking Kansas State. Will Howard has been in this situation before. This team yeah. has been in this situation before. And I, I think this is something where, yes, it's disappointing they lost Skyler, but you still got Deuce Vaughn. And you've got a quarterback now who who has been through this. Uh I, I'm gonna take the Wildcats. I think I think they're gonna they're gonna end up winning and covering here. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people 
and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's interesting. I, I went back and forth on this one. I, I was reading this morning that that our, our Dane Brugler, our draft expert, wrote that Nevada has five guys with draftable grades on offense, obviously led by their quarterback, Carson Strong, who's viewed as a potential first-round pick. Um, yeah, you're right, Jason. Norvell has done an awesome job. Building them up, you know, we have seen K-State a bunch with Howard. I think the thing, you go back and look at it last season, that's got to change. He averaged 144 passing yards a game after taking over last season. Like, this can't just be the deuce show. Um, he, he's got to sling it, and he's also got to take care of the ball. Um, had some struggles with that, obviously, um, you know, last week. So, I I wrote down K-State plus two. I think I'm going to go Nevada. I'm going to go Nevada minus two here. <laughs> Man, I don't feel I don't feel good about it, but I, I do think this will be, um, you know, and, and we've already seen, um, you know, Nevada's already got a, a power five win over Cal to start the season here. So uh, I think I'm going to take Nevada, but I I wouldn't be surprised if, if they figured out a way to bounce back on in, in this one and, you know, respond the right way this week. All right. On to the next one. Big 12 action. Here we go. Baylor at Kansas. I it's crazy that they're starting, you know, they're putting such an important Big 12 game at the start of the schedule here, but you know, that's that's good for Great everybody, time. you know. Baylor going to Lawrence, 18 point favorite. You know what? I thought Kansas was was not that bad against Coastal last week. I watched it on Friday night, and uh, you know, they kept that game competitive for a little while there. Jason Bean. I mean, what's our bean situation, Jason? Like they're you know, I think that they're pretty fun. Um, that's never that's never not going to be. I'm fun. just going to keep saying it. Um, yeah. I, I, so, are we are we sleeping on Kansas? Could they keep this game close? I think you're just trying to catch up in the pit standings, but <laughs> but it's okay. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. So you're taking the the Jayhawks? Is that what you're saying? I was trying to get one of you guys to take the Jayhawks. Okay. Well, I'm not going to do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, no, I'll, 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 I'll take I'll take Baylor covering the eighteen. What do you, what do you got? I'd already written down Kansas for you. I thought that's where that was going. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to change <laughs> okay. my writing All right. here. Okay, <laughs> it's a good thing I'm using a pencil. That's good, Sam. That's good. <laughs> yeah, I will tell you. I love Jason Bean. I love Lawrence Arnold, the DeSoto product. He's getting it done at receiver. The the redshirt freshman, but I think this Baylor team with its defense and the way its offensive line has played. That, that was the biggest question mark for me coming into the season with Baylor was the offensive line. Yeah. And they have played brilliantly the first couple weeks. Now, again, it's been against lesser competition. You know, Texas State, the Sun Belt team, actually wasn't bad, but TSU, who they dominated, and TSU hasn't won a game in forever. So I, I think that confidence boost is huge. Gary Bohannon's getting comfortable. I think Baylor goes up there and covers the 18. We, we've got a pretty interesting one next week, too. If Baylor, if Baylor handles this one, they got Iowa State coming to town next week, and and that I think that game has some upset potential for sure. Yeah, I tell you, if they if they go into that game three and zero, rocking confident, running the ball the way they have so far, yeah, it would that was that's definitely one 
I would keep an eye on it if if uh, if they go in there undefeated. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I like Baylor in this one, and I. But this is an important week, I, you know, for for Dave Miranda's crew to just keep building on what they've been doing and not not regress, not you know, not have one of these games that that comes down to one score here late. Um, so interesting test for them this week. Our next game is FIU going to Texas Tech. Another good good chance to find out, you know, just how real Texas Tech is. They are a twenty point favorite this week. Sam, let's start with you. Yeah, I, I'm going to say that Tech's going to cover here. They they did not against Stephen F. Austin. They struggled down the stretch. And I think that is a little bit of a wake up call for them. Uh, FIU's coming off a loss at over uh, in overtime at home to Texas State. Uh, so I, I think. Eric Ezekama, Tyler Shuck, they get it together. Ezekama has been great, actually, but Shuck was a little bit uneven last week. And that defense, the, the tech defense has been great so far. Yeah. So I, th- I think this is a game where Shuck gets right. They get up early in this defense. This defense keeps it under control. I think uh, I'm going to go ahead and take tech to cover. Yeah, me too. I, I, I like the, the Red Raiders in this one. 20 uh, f- feels uh, feels very doable. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm taking Tech. And, and you know, I, it, it is going to be interesting to see just, you know, are they ready to be, you know, one of those those teams that can kind of get in the mix here and, and contend here over, you know, October and, and be pretty relevant in this race. All right, let's go. Let's go to a new member of the Big 12 here. We got UCF as a seven-point favorite against a Power 5 school. They're going to Louisville. What do we think? That's Jason. super. Go ahead, Jason. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> just, I, just real, real terrified looks on everyone's faces as they realize they well, have to pick one of these, you know, these games. Well, I'll, 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 I'll take the new guys. Give me UCF. Give me UCF. UCF by seven. Laying seven on the road is a challenge. Uh, let's look. Let's take a look and see what Louisville has done so far. They've lost they Ole Miss. They did not Miss. do very much against Ole Miss. They did lost Ole Miss and they beat Eastern Kentucky. And UCF, on the other hand, has had beaten Boise State. Boise, yep. And Bethune Cookman. Yeah. Uh, and they had and that that Boise State opener was a wild one. Yep. I'm gonna take the Golden Knights. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say they go ahead and 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 go in there and get the road win. I know. It, I'll tell you what. I'm gonna take the Golden Knights to win, but I'm gonna take Louisville to cover the seven. Okay. All right, okay. I'm I'm going to take UCF and the Gus Bus uh, to cover the seven. I just think that they're, I don't know, it was a pretty pretty disappointing effort just in in all ways from from Louisville in that opener in Atlanta. So um, until we see more from them, I, I feel pretty good about picking UCF. Next game here, um, Texas twenty six and a half point favorite against Rice. Sam, let me ask you this before we get into that: Is Texas a top five job? <laughs> depends on what your priorities are yeah you are, are are you willing to grow gray hair or or lose the hair that you have because if so then sure if you're okay with that then it is so we did this uh we did this on uh on wednesday on the athletic we pulled um you know over 100 coaches and ad's and staffers across the country um in light of usc opening up you know what are the five best jobs in the country and Texas did make the top five. Do you, and, and Oklahoma was not that close to the top five. Did that surprise you, Jason? A little bit. I, I just think I just think people talk about Texas as if it's a top five job without considering all the other problems that come with being the Texas coach that we've seen get in the way 
of people like Charlie Strong and Tom Herman, who I don't think are bad coaches. I mean, it's just a difficult job. And so I think, yeah, you have all the resources and you have all the recruiting advantages, but there are other aspects of that job that I think make it a little bit more difficult. I'm not, I'm not necessarily sitting here saying, oh, you should definitely be ahead of them on that list. I just think that the idea that Texas is just a no-brainer top five job, I just don't agree with that. Yeah. I, and that was that was the funny thing in going through the surveys here that I think we pulled 16 people that work in the Big 12 and only five of them put Texas in their top five because I think you, if you've watched it up close, you've seen all the chaos, you know, like, yeah, Texas can be, you know, I, I think people outside at the st- state of Texas still look at that as a job that, man, if you got it right, that's that's one of the best jobs in, in the country. But uh, there's a reason why they haven't been able to get it right. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot yeah. that comes with that job. So, I look at it as sim- uh, yeah. I look at it as similar to Alabama because I think it's the great a great job if you have the right coach because Alabama is, has been great under Nick Saban, but let's not forget they struggled before that. So yeah, uh, I I, if, I think if there's only like one type of guy that can like really get it right there, then how good of a job is that? You know, I right. think that's part of it that's hard to separate a little bit that. Well, yeah, Mac could do it for 16 years, so we've seen how good the job can be. But how hard is it to to be Mac, you know, or how right. hard is it going to be to be Saban or be Dabo? Yeah, no, it, it's it's tough, but it it's it, it but it does have a lot of resources and and being the the flagships program in the state of Texas, where it's a huge recruiting base, and you got all the money in the world and the branding and all that stuff, it's got it. It's definitely got its uh, positives. But this Texas Rice game, Texas favored by 26. That is a big number. Uh, it is, you know, rice and rice was competitive against Arkansas. Yeah. They, they, they took that game and they were tied going to the fourth quarter, but then they turned job by Arkansas suckering everyone into thinking they weren't that good. You no know? kidding. No yeah. kidding. But then rice turned around and got smacked by 37 points by Houston. So I'm going to mm. go ahead and take Texas to cover because I think Casey Thompson's going to move the ball. I think B. John Robinson's going to get this thing done. And I just don't trust Rice offensively enough to put enough points on the board. They're, they've got Luke McCaffrey starting, and that offense is still just a mess right now. So mm-hmm. with, with Casey, I think gonna, you know, I think this team will move the ball. They just, the talent edge is going to be there. I'm going to go ahead and take Texas to cover the 26. I really want to like, know- talk myself into Rice here. I, me too. I've been sitting here trying to talk myself into rice and I'm afraid Sam just talked me out of it. Um, no, no, he didn't. Rice. I'm going, <laughs> going rice. rice. I'm going rice. Rice's I'm going defense rice. is very good. I will give him that. They, they do have a very good defense. <laughs> I'm not going to let Sam bully me into not doing what I want. You know, there's, <laughs> but the last time, the last time you listened to me, it worked out the Texas State and Baylor that's, game. That's, a, that's, a, that's accurate. I, I've that's watched true. enough Luke McCaffrey that I should pick Texas. But <laughs> dang, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I man, let's do it. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take Rice plus twenty six. Let, let, let's let's just have something to root for here, Jason. Yeah, <laughs> long shot. I agree. You know, jeez. Um, okay, we've Absolutely. got some we've got some late ones here uh, on this weekend, which I'm I'm kind of looking forward to. Yeah, Big Twelve after dark. <laughs> what do, what do you guys drink to stay up super late, Jason? You're a Red Bull guy, right? Sugar free. Sugar, oh yeah, sugar free Red Bull. I was very sad when Amazon got rid of their little buttons that they had. Did oh, they you guys ever use out? those? Yeah, those they cool. phased it out. But they had, I had a Red Bull button that I kept right here in this desk drawer. Uh-huh. Just press it. Twenty four pack would come two days later. Twenty four. So, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, they really got rid of that yeah. program. I thought that was a pretty cool thing. 
Yeah, it's great. We, my wife and I had them for toilet paper, for yeah. paper towels, for all Detergent kinds of stuff that, that yeah. you just don't think about. Yeah, mm, so that's too bad. Yeah, I don't think what, those exist. What is your drink of choice, Sam? Late at night. So I not, not really, I'm not talking about Jameson. I'm talking about like what is your what is your stay awake <laughs> drink at the end of the night? I've actually switched from Jameson to Maker's Mark, but uh, oh, there you go, Maker's okay. Maker's Forty Six. But no, I I usually am if I need to stay up, I usually don't drink like caffeine because then I, I it makes it hard for me to go to sleep. So I don't do the caffeine thing. So if I need to stay up, I'll get a little snack. Like maybe I'll get like a little bowl of cereal or something, like a bowl of okay. Cheerios or something, or yeah. a granola bar, something with a little bit of sugar just to kind of. Just give me that little boost just for a little bit and then uh but yeah i don't I don't really do the red bull or or coffee or anything at least not at that hour yeah i I'm just black coffee that that's pretty much it for me although the, the v eight makes an energy drink that is uh, the sparkling energy drink is phenomenal and we could talk about that for five minutes but that that's we're running out of time here so let's let's get to the, we got three late games that I am really looking forward to that i will I'm sure we'll be staying up all night for and that first one is Oklahoma State. Going to the blue turf of Boise State, uh, and and they are, I believe, a three and a half point underdog. Jason, what do you got? I'm going to take Oklahoma State because they are such a confusing team most years, and you never really know what to expect. My gut or my my initial instinct was to take Boise because of how much OSU struggled, but this just feels like one of those games that they might go up there and just surprise everybody and, and win. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take the Cowboys. Sam. I just, after the first two weeks, I just don't know that I trust Oklahoma state at this point. I, know. I, I have a hard time picking them to, to win this one. So I'm going to take Boise state uh, at home on the blue turf night game. I'm going to uh, give me the Broncos. Yeah. I, this is a revenge game too for, for Boise since they got, you know, uh, did not get invited to the club here of the new big 12. Um, so I'm sure there's a little, little extra there. Oklahoma state's really hard to figure out. It was a great fourth quarter against Tulsa to survive that game that they definitely could have lost. They kind of keep winning ugly. Offense is not very pretty right now. Um, I looked it up. Their running backs are averaging 70 yards a game, uh, to, combined this year. Like they're, that, that, that is just not clicking. And you know, they got Sanders back, but he didn't look very different. So can you, are, are they ready to build up to a good performance or is this just going to be a four quarter struggle? I, I'm going to take Oklahoma state plus three and a half. It's another one for, uh, you, you, you might have it. You might be right on that one, Sam. I, I don't feel, feel very good about it. I, I, I was pretty torn on that one. So we'll see. I think that one's going to be, be really interesting. And, and this next one I think is going to get a lot of eyeballs, and that is new Big 12 member BYU, which if you stayed up late last week, you get to watch them kick Utah's ass. That was pretty fun to watch. Um, such, a, such a huge game for that program to, to get over on, on the Utes finally here. Uh, BYU's back at home, and they're hosting Arizona State, one of the Pac-12 you know legit contenders. Arizona State's a four-point favorite. Sam, what do you got? Yeah, I'm giving take give me the Cougars. BYU to cover and to win. Uh I got Kalani Sataki squad. Uh, I like you said, the last week's game I think leaves a strong impression on me. So yeah. give me BYU. Jason. Agreed. Uh, I'm going BYU as well. And uh yeah, I'm 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 kinda I think I'm going with all the uh all the newcomers this week, just as a welcome to uh welcome to one true okay. pod. That's good. I, I'm going with all the I'll, newcomers. I'll do it too. I can see Arizona State winning this game, but I'll go BYU plus four. 
Um, I, I think that as we saw last weekend, that that atmosphere there um, when that place is rocking is is pretty special. Um, and I think it'll, it will be this week for sure after coming off that that win over Utah. Um, that will be a lot of fun to watch. People should tune into that one on ESPN. And then finally, I don't know why you did this, Jamie Pollard. I don't know why you agreed to this. Iowa State is going to UNLV. They're playing in the Raiders Stadium, which will be pretty awesome. And that game is going to kick off at 9.30 Central Time on CBS Sports Network. I, th- for me, this is the get-right game for Iowa State. They're 31.5-point favorite. I think they'll cover it. It's a, it's a great matchup to, to solve their problems. Um, Marcus Arroyo is 0-8 as the head coach there. Sadly, Tate Martell is the third-string quarterback at UNLV. So if this is a blowout, oh can we get some Tate Martell action? I, I hope so. I, I that guy. I, I I had forgotten about that until you just said that. I had completely forgotten that he was there. Now, what a story! What a damn story! What a, what a story! Never give up, Tate Martell. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take Iowa State to cover it, and I think this is you know Campbell really believes they're just a hair off in their execution and stuff. I I, I this is this is the kind of opponent you want to play to to get it fixed. Jason, what do you think? Yeah. I completely agree for the same reasons. It feels like a get right game for them, but man, wouldn't it be crazy if Tate Martell somehow came in and won like and beat them. <laughs> if like, both of their quarterbacks just, got hurt and Tate Martell had to finish the yeah, game. Just, just somehow that happened. Yeah. I'm just, I just root for chaos, man. I'm just all about the chaos, but well, in the backup that's QB, you remember this one, Sam, the backup QB is Justin Rogers, who was at TCU, you know, very highly touted player there. Um, and uh, he's he's backing up a freshman now at UNLV. So, yeah, maybe can we get one of those guys in there, you know? Yeah, no kidding. I, uh, I'm i still waiting to see. We'll get Tate Martell when they play San Jose State and the Nick Starkle. Tate yes. Martell, that's, yes. that's what I'm, that's what I'm yeah. waiting for. I think that's supposed yes. to be a no Talk about revenge games. I can't wait for that. <laughs> apparently, they, apparently they've they cool now. it, though. Yeah, they're yeah, cool they're now, cool at now. least according to what Andy wrote. He uh, wrote a big story about Nick Sarkle. Uh, Iowa State, I, this is like you guys. I feel like last week smarts a little. I think Cyclones go in there and take care of business. They get back to what they are, uh, you know, Matt Campbell always says they have to win on the margins. Last week was a, a week where they kind of lost it in that spot. I think they get back to to getting those details and uh, getting themselves back to where they need to be. So I, I got the clones to win and cover. Lastly, we got the no line on this one, but Sam Houston's uh, hosting Grambling. You think that's a pretty easy one? Yeah, it should be. They 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 really. I was impressed with how they bounced back against Rice last week because that that opening game against Tech left a bad taste in in Houston's mouth and. Uh, fans were a little disgruntled after they went up fourteen nothing and then lost that game thirty eight to twenty one or whatever it was. Uh, I think Clayton Toon looked a lot better last week. Uh, the defense has been still pretty good. Uh, run run game started to get going. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Houston Houston rolls here, makes this one uh, quick work, and then they'll they'll start moving into conference play after that. All right, all right, felt like. <laughs> I don't feel very good. I think Jason, you're you're still going to be just destroying us by the end of this week. I no, I it's all going to come crashing down. I'm just waiting for it to happen. <laughs> Believe me, I'm not confident in myself on this at all. I'm going to trust the Longhorns to make up a little bit of that difference between me and Jason uh, with that Rice game. So I'm going to be keeping a close eye on that one. But, you know, at I least like this. I'm we not, we should have uh, put like some some sort of bet on this one. You know, I, yeah, we'll have to figure that out for the yeah, future here. Should. One of these, yeah. 
Man. I, I, I was laughing, you know, at least none of us are, uh, you know, I noticed on Twitter, Ryan Aber of the Oklahoman, my, my good friend, accidentally, they, they flipped his pick and it, he's got Nebraska beating OU 42 to 20. In the <laughs> I saw that. That's fantastic. <laughs> I saw that. That's great. So. Uh, no, I, I can tell you as a, a resident of Lincoln, Nebraska, it ain't going to go that way this weekend. <laughs> Poor Ryan. Oh, man. All right, guys. Well, thank you as always uh, for, for joining. And, 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 and to those listening, thanks as always for, for, tuning in we're here every thursday on the andy staple show and friends feed so if you haven't already please subscribe on apple spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts you can also find our stories on the athletic if you're not a subscriber to the athletic you can sign up with our latest promotional offer at theathletic.com slash one true pod you're gonna get comprehensive coverage of this big 12 season the new members and, and and everything else going on in college football so now is a very good time to sign up and we will see you next time thanks for listening 